This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. What does your presence mean to another person's experience, or to an event, or even to a city you're visiting? It might not be something you think about, but for Titania Veda, it's the way she lives. Coming up, you'll hear Titania, a social impact communication strategist, reveal how she navigates finding connections and a sense of belonging wherever her global travels take her why she learned about gratitude from the homeless, why she's a work in progress, why cuddle parties don't require you to actually cuddle, and why a fireball makes its way into a purpose reading that I share with her. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Titania, it is so great to have you on the show as a friend, as someone that I've worked with, and as someone who I now get to see in person since we did a lot of our coaching online. (laughs) Thank you for being here on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Julie. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I want to start, before we go into um, the purpose reading that I did for you, kind of revisiting how it has impacted you, some of the reflections that you might have since then, how about you share what your journey has been to get you to this point, kind of moments in your life that you'd find pivotal to shape who you are today? Okay. Um... I guess it started off being born in Asia where I sort of felt out of place. Um, it's, it's, it's a feeling I've always had since I was a child and I could never really pinpoint why if it was just me or the culture or something was just not fitting into particular structures there. So I convinced my parents to send me away to schools overseas and I eventually found like, I guess, home in a sense in America, where I felt there was a lot more acceptance for differences and individualities. Um, And that sort of started me on working my way around the globe in a sense, just trying to find a sense of belonging, creating space for myself, trying to find different spaces. So it's a, a lot of space making and trying to figure out where I can carve a particular place in the world. And contribute to it. And what kinds of spaces did you feel you did belong to? Like, what was it? What were the characteristics about it? And I guess on the flip side is, what what were those spaces that you didn't belong to? What did that feel like? Um, the spaces I tended to belong to kind of had a, like a wide range of spectrum, and I was trying to physically test them out in a sense. So I would try different tribes, um, different cities, different jobs. And the ones where I felt most at home in were um, smaller, more family feel to it, uh, people who are just more diverse and open-minded, which is also kind of why I gravitate towards New York and probably why a lot of people gravitate towards New York because it's it has the world here, yet you're still being able to be yourself in the world in a sense. Whereas in other places, you, you're you almost forced to fit into a certain uh, tradition or the tradition of the place, if that makes sense. Can you explain a little bit more? Like um, maybe give examples of some of the places specifically that you've been sure um so like the two places i love the most are mexico city and karachi and it's it's not even the place itself or the culture uh but the people i guess the culture does kind of um, the people embody the culture as well but they are the warmest most hospitable people that i've ever met throughout my travels um especially those in pakistan and they just kind of like almost 
I say they almost kill you with their love <laughs> and their food. They love to feed you. Um, and Mexico reminds me, I always, cons- I always say Mexico City is like Paris and Jakarta got married and had a kid. It would be Mexico City because it has the kind of diamond and roughness of Jakarta where it's sort of like a, a city that's still discovering itself, but it also has the ancient... Um, cultures of the Incans and the Mayans and it's just, and also the European influences to it, right? So it's got the best of both worlds and just a certain warmth to both cultures that I love. Um, other places like England, for example, uh, I lived in London for about seven years. I could never really penetrate the society there in a sense. Uh, I was always playing more with the expat crowd. And I know a lot of people feel that way. They say it's, it's lonely making. Some, some places are just lonely making places. That's an interesting concept. I never thought of lonely making, meaning it's in what connotation? There's, there's alone and yeah. then there's lonely. And then there are places that make you feel lonely in a sense that you... It's there's a certain coldness to the culture, or there are ways that you just can't be part of the, the society there, uh, however hard you try, kind of in a sense. There's almost like a an internal barrier you can't cross because you were not born there, or you are always going to be foreign and you will never be accepted. Something like that. Yeah. So you're always going to be on the periphery, and. I feel most of my life I'm on the periphery, but I can, in some cultures, I can jump in if I wanted to, whereas some cultures, it's harder to do that. Yeah. I guess in New York, then, oh. then then everyone, everyone is welcome. It doesn't matter, you know, what stage of life or how much money you have. It's, I, I like how the subway is the great equalizer. Oh my God. Yes. The subway. Like the bathrooms, actually. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, <laughs> well, I, I heard somewhere that if you and your boss were in the bathroom together, it sort of equalizes oh. you. <laughs> and you can basically talk about other things there other than work. And it's okay. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I always have awkward moments. <laughs> I remember working and then, yeah, I'll be like, oh my God, it's my boss. What do I talk to her about? <laughs> um, so... You are a social impact communication strategist. What does that mean? Where did that, um, you know, where did that arise from? Um, I started off as a journalist uh, and a documentary filmmaker for nonprofits. So I've always gravitated towards people and stories that are trying to contribute to the world that are of people doing good. Because even as a kid, whenever I read the newspaper, it would be the funnies section or the feature section. It's always about arts and culture and things that are beautifying the world more than the front page news, which is usually about things and people destroying the world. And I I wanted to be part of um, a company or an organization that was able to alleviate that negativity in a sense by having more positive stories about people doing good and people creating beauty um so after i left the newspaper i just sort of moved towards almost naturally um social entrepreneurs um, who were needing help in the communications department and um sort of grew my reputation from there and attended a lot of conferences and very kind people kind of said, hey, you know, we need a communications consultant and start working around the world doing kind of that. What are some of your favorite stories or causes that you like to kind of elevate? Um, I was looking back at my life and I I was seeing this kind of red thread of Again, creating a sense of belonging for people and and sense place making as well. So, peppered throughout my career, I've been working with um, underemployed immigrants, um, immigrants themselves. I taught them English in in London and in Australia. Um, I was also working with refugees, um, 
bringing in refugees from Afri the African continent into the U.S. or teaching them as well, like um, life skills in a sense. And my last project was actually working with people experiencing homelessness. So it's almost all these people trying to find home, just like I'm also trying to find home. So it's quite ironic the way life happens. Yeah, it's like the the micro and the macro, they're all, there's a thread that runs through them. And home is an interesting concept. And I think a lot of people, especially in New York or wherever, you know, they may be, are looking for that sense of belonging. And they're looking for a community or a, a tribe. The tribe, I've always found that word kind of interesting <laughs> or or maybe i don't How relate so? maybe i don't relate to tribe as much um but community i relate to i don't know why i haven't like unpacked <laughs> why why that is for me but it's and i get a lot of people like that who are who have just moved to new york or are have been here for a while and they they still feel lonely even if they're surrounded by people or they are looking to connect with different groups maybe it's like special interest groups or spirituality or meditation and um yeah it's just the idea of finding connection with people what would what would you say your process is of finding or or even like even learning about in a new city mm -hmm. Oof. well the last new city i was at was gainesville florida or I was doing a comic workshop, which was an amazing week. Um, and the first thing I did when I was at the airport at LaGuardia was actually book a cuddle party um, session that was happening that night. So I landed, took a nap, and then went to a cuddle party. <laughs> and what is that? Um, it's literally where you cuddle strangers. And one participant said it's actually like platonic polyamory is what he called it. So, um, but it was very platonic, very safe. And they even taught you different ways of cuddling, including like just sitting side by side or just facing each other and looking into each other's eyes. It's literally about connecting with people. And there are, it's growing, I think, as a concept. Um, because of what you were saying before, people are seeking community and in different ways now that are a lot more accepted than before. And I love the fact that I could actually just sit next to a stranger, or just, you know, our shoulders are touching and we don't have to say anything for about 15 minutes. Wow. Exactly. And I'm not required to cuddle her or him at all. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't want to. Okay, so first up, cuddle party. Then what? First up, cuddle party. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I discovered gong meditation since I've been in New York. So I've just kind of been working my way through gong meditation and sound baths around New York City and finding different places here that does that. Um, it's, I love going to a new city because it just kind of opens up all the possibilities of of understanding and getting to know it's like falling in love with someone right you're trying to figure out different places and and things that they like and what they can offer as well and then what you can offer back and it's it's reciprocal i find like a city isn't like a one-way street it gives back to you but you also have to give it something hmm. how how do you offer something to the city i never thought of it that way i always think of maybe the other way around like what can i what can i gain from you know spending my 24 hours here or a week i think just the the relations that you have with other people as you're connecting with them as you're talking to them uh, even like for example i chose to be at a color party it might have been a totally different color party without me there or, or you know that it's just one person can totally change the dynamic of a room or a place or just, yeah, anything in general. I think you just being there, uh, attending and being present just changes the entire sense of the the place and the event. Yeah. Hmm. That's how you contribute. I like that. I don't think I'm ever that conscious of my role or presence at an event or in a city, but it's definitely important. I mean, we talk about it in other ways, but 
but to be the one conscious about it is interesting. I like yeah. that. I guess it also just like practicing kindness mm-hmm. in a sense is almost helps you be aware of that. Mm. How do you practice kindness? I gotta tell you, some days it's hard. <laughs> Especially when you get the egotistical folks around you. Um, I literally, I think it's just giving a damn. Sorry if that's a fart in my French. Yeah, it's it's just caring about how other people are are feeling in a sense. Like when you go to CVS and you see the you see the person serving you right at the till. And it's just, it doesn't take much out of you to say, hey, how is your day? Or that's a really nice pin you've got there <laughs> or something like that. Just something that just acknowledges their existence. Because I see a lot of people that the people at the till are no longer humans to them. They're literally just machines giving you back your change. And I think that's sad. Um, I think the advent of technology also helped perpetuate that sense of not being present in front of another human. You had mentioned working with the homeless. Mm. What were some of the stories and lessons that you can share with us that you learned? I I learned that there were probably some of the most grateful uh, people in the world that I've ever met and probably the, the one most filled with grit. Um, one of them even said, you know, if you were, if I wasn't homeless, I wouldn't have survived this <laughs> in a sense. Um, another person basically said, I was like, you know, how are you still so positive and every day? Um, and he, had a, he has a wonderful personality. And he said, well, when I'm looking outside of the shelter, my shelter bed every morning and I get to see the sunrise, um, I'm really grateful for that. So it's just like the really simple things there. I've also heard stories about people who are experiencing homelessness who would just give their change to another person, even if that's the last penny they've got, because they believe in sharing within their community. They know how hard up other people are and they want to help uh, a lot of the people who are homeless also, they serve in food banks and food kitchens. So they're they're trying. It's not like what we think, like the norm. There's so many misconceptions about the homeless. That's, um, I think me and my team were trying to break down. And yeah, I, I just, it helps me be more thankful about my life. But I'm also so thankful that I get to meet people like that. Because not a lot of us do. Right. Right. And to have the space and time to have that conversation, mm. I think that's, it's a, I don't know, can we create experiences like that for people? I wonder, it reminds me of, um, I guess they don't have these really anymore, but like foreign exchange students, you know, back in the day, it's like, like <laughs> trading experiences oh, yeah, trading so, that, in a so that you can better understand a new culture or a family or a city. Yeah. And I wonder what that would look like if in our education system, um, we had something like that. The University of Texas in Austin is actually doing that. There's there's going to be a class, I think, starting probably this fall that actually teaches the students like how they can experience um, homelessness in a way. And also they're bringing in people experiencing homelessness to help create that program for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what it's like to walk around with wet socks all day, all, all weekend long, kind of thing like that during the winter, you know, like literally physically experience it. Oh. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. Yes. Hmm. Not sure if I want to walk around with wet socks all winter. True. But you don't really understand until you have literally walked, walked in, in their, their shoes. shoes. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's really fascinating. Coming up, you'll hear Titania reveal why a fireball makes its way into a purpose reading that I share with her. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. 
Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hello, world. I'm George Manley, the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Solar. I have a background in broadcast journalism, I've traveled the world, and I love to write. But more than any of that, I love to have great conversations with interesting people, and I love to learn their stories. I am so thrilled to be working with really interesting people in the social commerce space as a result of this show. Solar is a place where brands and influencers create content to share with their consumer public. Solar is a place where brands and influencers get to meet, but Solar Stories is a place where brands and influencers get to tell each other their stories. And each week I'll be presenting a story from an interesting person in this space. And the goal is to learn something more about how this industry is evolving. The goal is to learn something more about the creatives behind the creator-influencer space. And the goal is to celebrate the community that is quickly forming on solar.com. I hope you'll enjoy this show. I hope you'll enjoy our conversations. I hope you'll give us feedback. And if your story is interesting enough, I hope you'll join us on another solar story, the art and business of influence. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc., and you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2018, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening. August of 2017. Wow, has it been that long? It has been that long. I did your purpose reading, and this was really this was fun for me. So as part of the reading, there's there's coaching involved, and and we did all of these sessions uh, virtually. Yeah. And you were traveling, like yeah. as as we know from your travel experiences that Major you shared in the first segment. Yep, the yeah, you were you were like. One time you were in Jakarta, and you were in Austin, you were in Seattle. California. <laughs> yep. I think you were in London at another point I in time. I was, yeah. I think I was in five different places talking to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the beauty of technology. Amazing. And, and I want to share a, a little snippet of this purpose reading. So for people who are not aware, I do um, intuitive purpose readings for clients that go into their Akashic Records and look at what is their soul's purpose in life? And usually there's a one metaphor that comes out that then becomes five to six pages of this one particular metaphor and so many things get drawn from it. And I'm always fascinated by what metaphor each person gets because so far they've all been different and some of them have been really kind of fun and odd and <laughs> hilarious to work with. So I want to read um, a few paragraphs of the reading and and then I'll kind of just jump off from there and see, um, you know, how this has impacted you, maybe things you remember reflecting on, like what was going on in your life at that time, because I view these readings as a living document. Like you can always go back and um, get aha moments even now, uh, a year later, more than a year later. Okay, so for Titania, I had asked, what is her purpose in life? And it says, Titania's purpose is to wield the flame, to hold it in her hands and be able to use it to produce the kinds of fireburst that causes a ripple effect of awe, at times bewilderment, and a high level of honor and recognition for both the simplicity and complexity of the world. Her purpose is one where she is the instigator, where she is in control of the fireburst that then yields a response. This response happens on many levels. It is first and foremost visual, as well as visceral, physical, and emotional. 
Imagine that she holds in her hand a ball. It looks a bit plain, as if there was nothing different or extraordinary about this stone. It may seem like any ordinary rock, though it is smooth and circular. When she throws it, and it reaches contact on a physical level, it explodes and creates a powerful and beautiful burst of fire. It is like having a handheld set of fireworks that are designed to create a response from the people who view it, whether they are close by or see it from far away. While the actual burst of fire may not be as colorful and as strategically designed as fireworks are, the end result is still the same. The surrounding people who are in the vicinity who see this fire burst feel the fire burst, hear it, and they sense it on different levels and planes, and they'll have a cascading response of emotions, awe, a sense of feeling small and yet part of something greater at the same time, and a willingness and even sense of impatience to see and experience more. What this means is that the entire process of wielding this fireball, still in its quiet, dark, and rather ordinary level, is very important for her. It is this process that she aims to experience with everything that she does, whether it is related to her work, her relationships, her self-expression, or the impact that she wants to have on the world. So I want to stop there and see, I mean, this goes on and on for another many, many pages, talking about the nuance of what happens when you um, when you are aligned with this purpose, what happens when you misalign, and all the other things that it comes out. But I'd love to hear what the reading has done for you, like how it has impacted you, maybe at that point, and maybe kind of looking back, and how it has impacted you now as well. I think before when I first heard about it, um, it was really interesting because I, I've had people close to me tell me that I tend to give my power away. And the fact that you do mentioned I have the capacity to throw fires <laughs> strategically at people. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned, you know, it is a ball before it becomes a fire, before the chemistry kind of comes into it and and I have to be really strategic about where I'm throwing it and, and the fact that there are, I tend to go to my default pattern when I throw it instead of thinking about, oh, could I try different things to see different possibilities of where it could land and what could happen if I did that. Um, and I think that actually really helped me um, get to where I am now, which is kind of be more still in a sense. And I've been working on creating stillness within myself since probably we met. Um, so no more five countries in a year type of thing, or five cities in a year. Um, I actually stayed in Austin for a whole year and felt not so bad about it. Uh, you and know? that was that was unheard of for you, right? That was to... really, I was just like, oh my, it's coming up to 11 months. What's going on? <laughs> Um, and even coming here and realizing that, yes, there are a lot of things going on. There are a lot of projects outside of New York even that I could do. Um, but I'm able to kind of think more strategically in the sense of where is it that I actually want to go? How do I break my old patterns and and learn how to recognize that I'm holding a dull looking ball at the moment, but I can set fire to it somehow. I just haven't figured out what the ignition point is um, at this time. Uh, sometimes I feel like I, I did or I, I do, but it, it's a, still a fluctuating thing. Uh, it's almost like being woke. I actually was at a conference and the person who was speaking said, there's no such thing as being woke. You are always trying to get woke. Um, and I feel like this is the same thing. You're always going to try to develop things like that. The ball will always be in your hand, but you're always still going to have to work at it. Yeah. It's not like 
that's it. It's done. I got life. I'm sorted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever feel sorted, but I w- might feel closer to sorted during some parts of my life than others. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how we are with purpose. It's the, the way I see it, it is a moment to moment state of being. Yeah. And at one moment you can be aligned with who you are on a soul level. Mm-hmm. The next moment you can be misaligned. Yeah. And and that, you know, either either you are aware of the misalignment and can shift or it could be, you know, a year or 10 years from now and you realize, you know, what why why am I feeling yeah. anxious? Why am I feeling small? Why am I feeling all these things? I think just being aware of it and trying to understand it, you're halfway there. Like that's half of the battle because most people are not aware that they're having a certain issue or that they're blindsided or that they have blindfolds on or blinders, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, I want to read another section. Let me just. Okay. So it continued saying, when she misaligns from her purpose, this process may be interrupted. So this process meaning you hold the fireball, you actually strategically kind of aim it somewhere, throw it, and then it it makes physical contact and it lands and it creates this fire burst. And then the people around it feel the emotion, whatever it is that, that, that you're looking to create. So that's an entire process that we're referring to so it says when she misaligns from her purpose this process may be interrupted it may not even start or stop or be completed or it may take a very different turn for example she may not actually be wielding the fireball herself instead she relies on other people to throw the fireball in front of her And then these other people then cascade through the visual and emotional response. When this happens, she feels like she hasn't actually started this process and may see the resulting emotions that may mirror the ones that she wants to witness, but she will feel separated, detached, and a bit confused as to her role and relationship with the current situation or unfolding of events. When this happens, she feels as if part of what she is witnessing is somewhat close to what she knows she derives joy from, but she gets confused as to why her joy is not as pronounced or as complete as she knows it can be. And she then wonders what she may have done wrong or questions why she is not as happy as she could be. In this case, she may stay in one situation for far longer than she actually wants to, until she figures out that there may be other ways to receive that feeling of joy. And kind of in, in, in other words, I know it was a lot there, but the, the takeaway I got from that is that when, when there is misalignment, either you give your power away, as you had mentioned, um, or you may see other people going through that response, like let's say they create a campaign and it, you know, for a nonprofit and it, it creates, you know, some emotional response from the audience and you may feel that emotional response, but since you're not the one actually wielding the fireball, you you wonder why, like, why, why am I not happy? Like I'm in this situation. It's a lot of, it's like when people are, you know, love art and they, you know, start an art business <laughs> and, and they're like, but I'm in the art business. I don't know why I'm, you know, not happy. And it's because they're not actually creating the art. They're not the ones going through that cascade. So how does, how did this turn up in your life? Like what are examples of this? So when I was in Austin working with the uh, homeless communities, I, I did feel sort of more detached to the fact. And I think it's, when I look back, I realize that it's it's a choice. Um, I can choose to actually be immersed in it, or I can choose to be detached from it. And to have it subconscious or unconsciously 
decide to detach from it was kind of confusing for me because I did feel misaligned. Even though I love the work, I felt like we were doing good work, but I just couldn't feel 100% kind of like emotionally invested. Um, and looking back, I'm wondering if it was because I was just trying to create a barrier to between myself and all the stories that I was hearing. It's almost like a protection kind of mechanism. Like even when I was a journalist, pen and paper or a camera in front of a dying child would still help me write the story better than if I didn't have those tools in front of me and I was just a person talking to another person um, without protection, in a sense. So um, having to be vulnerable in my line of work I think it has to be a conscious choice and that is what I learned from that um, committing to something being emotionally invested is a conscious choice uh, I, I met a Welsh farmer one time and he's I asked him you know would he ever fall out of love with his wife who he'd been married to for like decades and she has Crohn's disease and he said, no, I will never fall out of love with her because I never fell in love with her. I choose to love her every single day, every morning. You know, it's a conscious choice. And does that answer the question? Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's something that we all are dealing with, like as people who are sharing stories or who are working, like even client work. Um, or even as you walk down the street or on the subway or you see other people going through whatever it is that they're going through. It could be suffering. It could be, um, lack, but it's, it's all, it's, it's a choice how we take that and use that information. And it seems like you've, so would you say that half after going through that experience would you go back and do it again like using a different choice or do you think this is a coping mechanism that now you're conscious of i think it's i'm more conscious of it now but at during the last few months that i was there i did become more emotionally invested uh in the work that i was doing and i also made more initiative towards creating more work that could help the community than I initially did. A lot more of it was a lot of distancing before, like creating things more for the service provider than for the actual community because I was also running the uh, lived experience advisory group for the homeless, so which is comprised of 16 people experiencing homelessness or previously experiencing homelessness. So we start doing more co-creating and co-participation, like things with them. You were wielding the fireball. I was trying to wield the fireball. <laughs> exactly. You weren't yeah. giving it away. Yeah. You were actually but taking it. I am a little bit like a diesel engine. I'm just a little bit late on the uptake sometimes. <laughs> well, it's all it, it's all a work in progress. It's yeah. just every moment we we try, it's, it's like, hey, let's see what sticks. Throw it and see what sticks. <laughs> well, yeah, you said that I have to do things physically. I had to physically try out, like, physically try out England or physically try out, like, I don't know, Petra in Jordan or something like that. Oh, yeah. There was another part of the reading that that said it was okay to physically <laughs> try things. It's costly. But it, it was actually part of what makes you you mm -hmm. is that you you have to physically go someplace experience it and take in that information and input and then you know use it in some way yeah i wish i could visualize it more and just use my imagination which is cost less <laughs> but it is costly but but i feel like it's it's the only way it is it's the only way and you you were actually i remember you were kind of uh i don't know if not beating yourself up for it, but but it was you were looking at it through a, a a lens of why am I doing all of this as as if you didn't want to be trying out all these new places or new jobs, but but really the reading was saying it's okay. It's well, I was trying to figure out like what are the other strategies that I can use to find happiness in a sense, right? Because it was also mentioned there like there might be other strategies I'm not just seeing just yet, right? Yeah, but. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was actually at a nonviolent communications workshop. And what I found was interesting is that they said um, everyone has the same needs. But because of our upbringing and our culture and our beliefs, we just have different strategies on trying to achieve those needs. Like I might go to a meditation um, class to achieve my need for belonging and some other person might buy Dolce & Gabbana jeans or a Ferrari to find that kind of sense of belonging in their supposed tribe. Hmm. So, yeah. So everything we're doing is okay. There are healthier ways of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're pretty much like we're all trying to f fulfill our needs <laughs> in a sense, which I thought really made sense. Are you interested in getting your own intuitive reading? Are you wondering how you can align more with your purpose? I offer introductory sessions to my Discover Your Purpose readings and coaching. As part of the All Possibilities community, you get 10% off the intro session. You get a one-on-one -on -one phone call with me where I'll do an assessment of your life and give you an intuitive reading on the highest guidance for you at this time. You'll get actionable steps that you can get started on to create the life you want. Just use All Possibilities 2018 as the promo code. That's All Possibilities 2018. Visit beingmypurpose.com for more information on my services. We're going to try something new to Tanya. All this right. is going to be fun. You'll be our <laughs> guinea pig. I'm going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions and I want to hear your take on it. Maybe you, you know, reminds you of a story. Maybe you're, you know, for it or not. You know, I believe it or not believe it. Uh, whatever comes to mind, just share and maybe we'll continue this for another episode. So we'll never know. Sounds like we'll fun. see how it goes. <laughs> I'm going to give you a short phrase, and then you give me a short answer. So we'll see how, however many we can get through. Got it. Best places to meditate in New York? Um, bedroom. That's, that's probably it. My bedroom or a gong meditation place somewhere in um, near Chinatown. Your most memorable psychic experience? Probably you. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. An example of when you experienced time expand? Ooh. Um, when I was at a comic workshop and I was literally in the flow, actually finally drawing after three days of just writing text and everybody trying to figure out, when is she actually going to draw? How about energy healing? Ooh, energy healing. Um, is that the same as like sound healing? Because I do really like sound healing, which I feel a sound is also energy. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, or Reiki. Re Reiki? Mm -hmm. Reiki? Reiki as well? Yeah. yeah. Reiki as well. Yeah, I've, I've done quite a few bits a long time ago now, but I've kind of moved towards more sound healing these days, which is odd because I'm not auditory at all. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're very visual. E yeah. Kinesthetic visual, mm -hmm. more maybe more linguistic, but uh, the sound healing, I kind of, it's like tripping, but when you're sober. <laughs> it's really cool. Acupuncture. It works. <laughs> yeah, I, I go to acupuncture sometimes when I can afford it. Usually when I'm in Asia. Um, psychotherapy. I'm not even too sure what that is. <laughs> therapy. <laughs> therapy. Um, I don't think I've ever been to a therapy. I've been to people who tend to give me medicine or, or try to give me medicine, which I don't believe in. Um, I think friends are therapy. Yeah. Pharmaceuticals. Nope. No, not a, I haven't touched medicine in about six years. Yep. At all? At all. Wow. Impressive. Antibiotics. No, no. <laughs> Unless there's homeopathic antibiotics, which I don't think exists. No, I just, I just write it out. 
Um, and I think with like the way I live and my diet and things like that, um, and the fact that I don't take medicine, my body simply knows how to heal itself. And I it just healthy living helps in not being sick, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, just kind of knowing how to take care of yourself and what your body's saying before it completely breaks down, which I feel is what most people do. Your body breaks down, which is why you need to take antibiotics because you're not listening to like the little triggers. Mm. The little warning signs. Vitamins or supplements. I'd rather take the real thing like ginger water or like eating the herbs itself rather than putting it in a capsule. How about pollution in our food system? <sighs> oh, that's hard. I mean, however healthy I try to be, I know that I think, you know, dying is just a matter of velocity, right? <laughs> Sometimes you can't help it. Everything is polluted nowadays. It's just like what you put into your mouth. You're just going to have to be a little bit more aware of it. But everything is polluted. Even on the way here, the organic food's going to be polluted because they're going to be on the road. Spirit animal. Aww. I thought I was a crow when I was in Japan. I'm not too sure now. I think it just might just be a lot of crows in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> The state of the environment. I think Mother Nature is really pissed. And, um, but really gritty. Like, if you look at a piece of pavement and you leave that piece of pavement alone, within, like, I think three to six months, there'll be a bush. You know, that's how amazing the environment or nature is in general. Okay, we'll bounce back. Life and death. <sighs> Life and death. I I used to be a lot more carpe diem, like thinking death is around the corner, so I got to live like, you know, grass life as it is. But then I read a poem that actually said, why do we have to think carpe diem all the time? Why can't we have the mindset of a child where... Everything is new and we are in wonderment instead of in rush and in fear of death that's around the corner. So, Climbing the corporate ladder. That's a no-go for me. <laughs> My salary totally reflects that. <laughs> Freelancing. <laughs> it's a lot of hustling. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth it. Some t it, it's it's worth it though. It's it's kind of worth having being able to choose clients um, and choosing interesting projects. Uh, but the hustling is is tiring. Being introverted, accepting. I'm totally more accepting of it and giving less of a care i guess to others who don't like me being introverted or keep insisting that i am an extrovert just because i like talking to people <laughs> but i love i love conversations that like i have with you because you know we can go deep so that's i mean there's a misconception to introverts that they're shy we're not shy we just get energy from deeper more profound conversations than talking about the weather or baseball well you can get profound with baseball i'm sure extroversion I think the world re rewards extroverts a lot more, especially in the corporate sector, especially when you're hustling. Um, it helps to gain energy from being with people because it's unavoidable that you're going to be with people and in relationships um, with them. So, yeah, that's my thought on them. Good for them. <laughs> Solar energy. Everyone should have it. I'd love to have one except it's so expensive. <laughs> U.S. versus Asia. <laughs> um, I feel the U.S. is where I learn and Asia is where I teach and give back. Almost in that sense. From what I learn, it's like the East-West thing. Yeah. Being Asian in the U.S. 
So I don't really see myself as an Asian American, which puts me as like a really odd space because I am a person of color, but I'm a foreigner, which means I can say things like, hey, I'm yellow and kind of appropriate that color <laughs> for myself and get away with a lot of things that I guess Asian Americans in a sense can't really um, because I, I, I tend to be politically incorrect sometimes, not on purpose, um, just because I've been in and out of the country so much that outside people are just not as aware maybe or not as um, semantically sensitive to certain things that the population in the u.s are that makes sense starting a family no <laughs> no I, I i like me me myself and i we're a totally great unit as as ourselves <laughs> Marriage. <laughs> that probably comes into the same bucket. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, Julie. <laughs> pets. Oh, I love pets, but they're like children. I'd love to be able to give them back afterwards. <laughs> um, it's, it's too much responsibility, especially since I don't really know where I'm going to be half the time or how long I'm going to be in a certain place. But... The people I'm staying with, they're thinking about getting a dog. And I was like, oh, I love it because I love staying with people who have pets because I get like the best of both worlds. They're not mine, but I can play with them. How to conquer jet lag. Uh, I'd say don't eat on the plane. Uh, drink lots of water, drink lots of wine and... <laughs> Don't go to bed unless it's 10 o'clock at night in the place where you land. Intention. Um, I feel we need to be aware of our intention for almost, if possible, almost every action that we take. Purpose. Trying to get there. It's a process of uncovering and unearthing. It's literally like archaeology. Titania, how can other people get in touch with you or learn more about your work? Um, uh, so I think the best way to get in touch with me would be through LinkedIn. And it's just Titania Veda. You just find me there. It's good to, good to go. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I was honored that you invited me. Thank you for being here, for working with me on your purpose and for being a friend. I mean, I, I really value the time that we have together and all the fun things that I know will come out from the work that you pursue. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. And for you, think about your own sense of belonging. Where is that? Have you found it yet? Is it your own community? Is it a meditation class? Is it uh, something that you want to... Uh, Google and find. Uh, is it a cuddle party? <laughs> Go out this week and find that sense of belonging in your own way. I'm Julie Chan, and until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.